This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly. I'm glad to have you here again. Um, please be seated. Um, we are in session for another good journey on Cyber Law and Business Report. Um, I'm speaking to you from sunny Southern California here at the Internet Law Center. And we're in the heart of what is now becoming increasingly known as Silicon Beach here in Southern California. Um, we have a great show today. We're going to be covering the downsides of social media, the dark side. So just as Dark Shadows comes out, we're going to give you a different shadow on social media today. We're going to talk to first about the Social Media Privacy Act. There's um, a movement going on to try to curb employers from asking for their employees' um, social media passwords. And we have Adam Kiwi from um, Sacramento um, with this, uh, Senator Lee's office um, who's heading up the fight in the Senate to explain that. And then the second half hour, we're going to be talking about Facebook. And is Facebook um, playing a game of Monopoly? Um, we're going to talk about that in the second half hour with um, a former DOJ and FTC antitrust and enforcement authority, um, David Balto. And so um, just a few quick shout-outs. Um, I want to thank um, everyone at Grubhub. Um, excuse me, I'm Grub with us. Um, I did my first uh, dinner with them last night, and if you haven't checked it out, it's a really cool kind of um, networking site. Um, Grub with us, and they organize dinners on different themes in different cities across the country, and some really cool people there. One of them actually has a book coming out, and she's being interviewed today, so I want to give a shout-out to her, um, and that is Laurel House, who has um, a book on um, the uh, – Quickie Chicks Cheat Sheet to Life, Love, Food, food Fitness, Fashion, and Finance on Less Than a Fabulous Budget. That's coming out this week. And um, we may have her on the show at some point. Also, I uh, want to give a shout-out to um, 
Rachel Espiritu, who has a, a really cool idea, a, a site called realdancers.com, trying to be the IMDB for um, dancers. And, um, and one last shout-out. Today's a big day in California history in, an, in a strange way. It's um, in 1966, the Beach Boys released their seminal album, um, Pet Sounds. So without further ado, um, from the Beach Boys to Adam, are you with us? I'm here. What a comparison. <laughs> um, wouldn't it be nice? But anyway, <laughs> um, we, we've seen a lot in the media about um, what has been going on in, with employers asking um, for employees or prospective employees, even worse, to ask for um, their passwords. And it, it seems that this has gained a lot of momentum um, and, and strangely enough, it seems to have started in the state of Maryland a, a few years back, and Maryland just recently passed a law to correct it. But it got to the point that even Facebook felt compelled to to speak out about it, saying it violates the terms and conditions of their our service. And you know, some people even question whether it violates the law. And um, so, Senator Lee. Um, well, first, let me give you a full introduction. You're the chief of staff for um, Senator Leyland Lee, um, Ph.D., and uh, who represents um, what San Mateo area, uh, San Francisco, and San Mateo. And um, Senator Lee is in. Um, he's served in the Assembly for many years, now in the Senate. Um, he's I'm naturally involved in a number of technology issues, and so he has a bill that's pending um, in the Senate right now that's distinct. From the the assembly bill as well, correct? Correct. Uh, so there's been a, there's been some. Protect, oh, sorry. Go ahead. There's been some press that the you know, the assembly has passed a bill, but that's a different bill. Um, so why don't you tell me what um, Senator Lee's bill would do? Well, Senator Lee's um, legislation will ensure that employees or prospective employees do not have to hand over uh, their personal privacy. They don't have to um, give a social media username or password. In fact, the bill would say you can't even request that information because if it's requested and you don't give it, you know, there's probably going to be some sort of unwritten rule, well, this person's not going to get the job or this person may be fired. Uh, his bill will also um, have that same protection for students and, and, and applicants of our colleges and universities in California. And uh, that's essentially what his bill will do. There is an assembly um, bill as well dealing with this issue, which only – uh, addresses this particular problem at private and within private employers um, and doesn't uh, address you know public employees state employees county employees city employees um, and it also doesn't address uh, students so Senator Yee's bill is much more comprehensive and so far it's um, going quite well it's passed two committees unanimously with bipartisan support and uh, next Monday we'll go before the appropriations committee where we expect uh, we'll get that bill passed and um, and then take it up on the Senate floor by the end of the month. Now, there's, there's one thing that um, I noticed that you, you're also different from the Maryland law, and that the Maryland law just dealt with private employers and didn't deal with the education institutes, so, and so that, that makes you different in that respect. But um, does your law address this? There's two aspects to this problem. Um, the first is obviously the employer requesting the password. The second, what is called, uh, the nickname is called shoulder browsing, where the employer kind of asks the employer to just go on Facebook and they'll just may they may look. Yeah, the, under uh, under Senator Yee's bill, they they wouldn't be able to do that, and and it goes beyond social media too. Um, you know, we we also include 
uh, emails and, and, and other electronic um, you know, personal information that they also wouldn't be able to access via this bill. But certainly looking over their shoulder or asking them to print out their Facebook page or anything like that would be prohibited under this particular bill. You know, with that said, there are times when maybe it is appropriate um, in that, you know, maybe somebody's harassing another employee or, um, uh, you know, some other crime is being committed. Well, if that employee wants to voluntarily give that in order to assist in an investigation of a criminal activity or a sexual harassment case or something, they would be allowed to do it under this bill, um, but only in those particular cases. And it couldn't be forced upon the employee. It could, that, that's the only time when they would be able to request the information and the employee could give it or not. It's a very timely issue because one thing that we've been trying to encourage employers to do is to develop social media policies because and because the next question that happens then is well presumably you you allow them to um, they would you would have to get give your passwords if you're using you know, your account for your employer's purpose and well, which then obviously the, the employer would should think about do they want their employers using their own accounts or did you know should you have your own company accounts that employees use which you then control yeah we would certainly encourage them to have their own separate uh, employer accounts if they want their employees to be engaging in social media for the um, benefit of the of the company um, you know the other and, and there's this is also a protection for employers too I mean those that are doing this, they're really setting themselves up for some major lawsuits. What you have on your Facebook page, for instance, is often your religion, your, your family, your marital status, your sexual orientation, and all of those things which an employer cannot legally ask an employee. Uh, and if they do, they can, um, you know, certainly discrimination cases uh, can come as a result. And so that information just is off limits, and we've, we've passed laws to make it off limits, you know, they're trying to get around that, and I don't know that they purposely want this information or not, but the minute that they pretty much have it, they're setting themselves up to lawsuits. So this bill, at the end of the day, you know, will hopefully protect them as well. I mean, that's exactly what you know, Facebook said when they, you know, the warning to the employees, not only could you face a lawsuit from us, because the problem what they're doing is it's not just the employer, excuse me, the employee or even the prospective employee who's the victim, but that whole network of people connected to them who now have their stuff exposed. Absolutely. Uh, yep, their family and, members, their friends who aren't even applying for the job suddenly, you know, are, you know their information is being looked at. And, and nobody is going on Facebook thinking uh, that that's going to happen. Now, um, you know, what has been the feedback from you know, one, the tech community, and two, um, you know, the, I guess the Chamber of Commerce folks or, you know, HR people, um, you know, do they, do they want some more flexibility? Do they think this is a rush to judgment or or they kind of understand where, where you're going? Uh, it, it's been a mixed bag. You know, there are certainly some companies that have been, you know, pretty supportive. Um, they are concerned, and, and, but they still have some concerns about, you know, their own internal investigations on, you know, for, like I said, sexual harassment cases and, and things of that nature. But I think we can address that. Um, there's been, you know, very few employers that have kind of, you know, fessed up and said, hey, we're doing this. Um, I think they, they understand where the public sentiment is, and, and you know, this, they're going to be on the wrong side of history if they, if they try to kill this bill. Uh, those who we have probably heard from more than anyone else are uh, you know, the UC, the CSUs, um, 
because what they're doing uh, in many cases is the coach of a of the basketball team or the football team has been requesting this information of their student athletes so they can monitor um, what they're doing uh, off the field uh, and making sure that they're not um, uh, conducting themselves that would be detrimental to the university or the team um, and so they've had they've uh, expressed some concerns to us, but at the end of the day, you know, they they were monitoring monitoring their students prior to Facebook and Twitter and social media. They can do it even when this uh, law goes into effect. They don't need to, you know, invade their personal privacy. They can't go into their, uh, you know, into their their diaries. They can't go into their homes and and and, and sniff around and, and and see whatever they want. Uh, and and yet you can people will talk if your student athlete's doing something wrong. You know, I think the coach is going to find out. Now, what about the? You know, I think it's, I'm hearing it's fairly common among coaches to request that um, they friend someone on the coaching staff. Would that be prohibited? Uh, it, certainly, it wouldn't be prohibitive. But to uh, request um, that person hand over um, or, or request their username, um, you know, certainly could be. But you can. I mean, it's pretty easy to find people on Facebook. I don't think you need to even request their username um, in order to but find if, them. But what if I, you know, you know, I'm a scholarship athlete and my coach says that you need to make me a friend on Facebook? Under, under, under our um, under yeah. this bill, they would not be, uh, they, couldn't, they couldn't require that of the, of the student athlete. One, and your bill probably should prohibit me from getting a scholarship for athletics. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> More power um, to you if you can if you can figure it out. <laughs> and um, and so I guess has the NCAA or any any because I'm I'm trying to think of any of our state programs are subject to um, current NCAA review. I know USC is private and and they are, but um, I don't know about what other schools we may have. I know Fresno State had Tarkanian, so by definition we probably must have had something there. Um, well, the, is that the, the concern that they are them? concerned with current NCAA rules that say you do have to monitor your students. But I've asked them, show me where in the NCAA uh, mandates that it says you have to collect their username and password. I mean, I don't think it says that. And if it does, well, you know, we, we, we maybe we should pass a law to say the NCAA can't um, can't uh, do business in the state of California because that's absolutely absurd. Um, but I'm pretty sure they don't say you have to invade someone's personal privacy in order to monitor uh, your student-athletes. There's many ways to monitor them besides going in and seeing their very personal information. Um, so, um, you know, we're listening to their concerns, but we think at the end of the day they're not going to be at any sort of competitive disadvantage. They are uh, just simply aren't going to be able to go and, into their individual social media accounts. So they're going to have to monitor them the way they did uh, for, for, gen- for generations before uh, this particular technology existed. Now, um, I noticed that you draw a distinction between um, post-secondary uh, and secondary education versus, you know, uh, high school. Um, so it would be appropriate to monitor at the high school level. Or to well, I, I don't know that Senator Yee would say that's appropriate. In fact, I think he would say it's not appropriate. But, um, you know, we have some certain political realities that we, that we face on <laughs> any bill we introduce. Uh, and you just get into a whole other set of issues in terms of you know what's the parent's responsibility, who really controls that social media? Is it the is it the is it the student, the minor, or is it the parents? And so, from Senator Yee's perspective, yes, those students deserve that same protection at K you know the K twelve level. But there, like I said, there's other political issues that go into it, and rather than risking all the other parts that are currently in our bill, we just didn't tackle that 
you know, this year doesn't mean we won't tackle it down the road. Now, in terms of the difference between you and um, Senator, excuse me, Senator Campos's bill that that has passed the assembly, is she amenable to uh, you know adopting a broader bill along the lines of Senator Yee's bill? Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, we haven't had those conversations. Uh, the reality is, if these both uh, get passed and both get to the governor and he signs them both. Um, essentially ours will be what becomes law. So exactly. we have no problem with her pushing her bill. And if the governor, for whatever reason, doesn't like the broader approach, uh, you know, at least you know, there's a backup plan via her bill. But I think at the end of the day we'll work out our differences and, um, and, and we'll get you know, essentially a comprehensive policy here in the state of California. Um, but we're not, we're not trying to kill her bill by any means. Uh, <laughs> hopefully she's not trying to kill ours and we'll, we'll move them along in the process. But, you know, Hers, hers covers a real issue. Let's let's get that uh, into law, and then ours covers you know a, a little bit broader, and we'll hopefully get that into law as well. Now, excuse me, one second. <coughs> Sorry. Um, the next step is, is a hearing for the appropriations committee. Now, our appropriation committee hearing is generally a substantive or more budgetary oriented. Yeah, it's just what would be the fiscal impact of this on the state. I mean, I, and, and I I can't think of any. I mean, I actually think to monitor and to go into someone's um, social media could be a potential cost. I mean, the fact that you, um, you know, would need somebody that goes, you know, either an admissions officer or a human resources person to go in and do that, that, that would be a cost. So we'll certainly argue that there's no cost and hopefully well, we'll plus, win Well, plus, you also you yourself pointed out the liability. I mean, you're, you're avoiding major liability for state and private employers um, by doing this. Right, the, correct. I mean, the only argument they may be able to make, um, which I think is offset by the the, the comments you made, and, um, is that you know they're not going to they're not going to have this easy tool to do background checks. Essentially, that they're going to have to do a little bit more work and do it, uh, you know, through the means they had, had have historically and traditionally done it, uh, done their investigations um, into you know prospective employees. Um, but like I said, I think we can counter that, and um, hopefully this will be a very short hearing in the appropriation. <laughs> And this whole episode is an interesting um, commentary on social media to an extent because the fact that there's this whole concept that social media, there is really no privacy, that you, once you put something out there, it's out there, it's out there for everyone, and that um, you can't get it back, um, and that employers just, just took it even further, saying, well, even if you haven't disclosed it to everyone, if you're disclosing it, you might as well disclose it to me, too. And it, it kind of taking a, what they see as an erosion of privacy from social media to begin with, just one step further, and just ignoring the fact that those people do have certain rights under the Constitution. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, the, the Facebook has uh, faced plenty of criticism for um, not always keeping information private. They've changed their ways. Uh, they and they've given uh, the user many options to protect their information and allow certain individuals to see certain things. Um, you know, uh, my Facebook page. Uh, you know, there, there are pictures of my kids and and of my family. And there's certain people that are I'm friends with that. You know, I don't think they really have much business knowing. You know, about my my family life. Um, they right. may be you know kind of my political acquaintances, and they can see what I post about Senator E. But I don't need them seeing pictures of my kids. So I'm able to say, you know, what they can't see that, um, right? And, and 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 that's the way that it should be. Um, you know, the, yes, there's a lot of stuff online, and they can still go online and do their their research on employees and students. 
but you know they, they really uh, are starting to cross the line when they just see everything about the person. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, uh, as a kid, I I went to Catholic school, and I remember these these nuns just trying to frighten the hell out of us about you know this is going to go on your permanent record. No one had a clue what the hell that meant, but somehow it was a very intimidating concept. And then here we are, many years later, and um, we create it every day, and then we share it and we publicize it. And so it seems that you know, what Mark Zuckerberg has to worry about is not a suit from the Winklevi. I, I think you know a, a class action suit by nuns all over the world is the kind of thing that you know he he stole their idea um, because you know basically we've created a permanent record every day. We have, and people you know you know need to be cognizant of that, and uh, especially young people. And, you know we all, we all do crazy things. Um, and you know when I when I was in college and uh, you know th- th- this technology didn't exist. So you know if I was documenting my college life, there'd probably be some <laughs> things out there I wasn't too proud of. You know, so college students, you know, be a little careful with what you're putting out there. Now, um, you, Senator Yee has been very involved in um, in protecting free speech rights of youth, and hasn't be, didn't he have a he, he put forward a free speech bill for school newspapers? Correct. You know, he's been a strong proponent of open government, um, uh, you know, his entire political career. And one of the ways that you hold government accountable, especially public institutions like the UC and the CSU and our community colleges, is via the student newspapers. And so he has, uh, he passed uh, the, the first law in the country that specifically prohi- uh, prohibited any sort of prior restraint or censorship of high school and college newspapers and prohibited any sort of disciplinary action on student journalists and students in general for exercising their free speech rights. Well, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear more about Senator Yee and the fight for um, protecting employees' rights to privacy in social media after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I signed us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. In 500 yards, C-P-A way will be on your right. You have reached your destination. On the interstate of Internet marketing, CPA Way helps you monetize the way. No matter which direction you're heading, CPA Way is your route to low-risk revenue. Advertisers, we have paved the way to delivering revenue channels that will meet and exceed your expectations. Publishers, we monitor and manage your campaigns to bring you the most revenue possible. Publishers can feel secure to leverage direct offers, while advertisers can find safety, offering their most valued campaigns. The road to trust, respect, integrity, and honor is just ahead at cpaway.com. The Web Marketing Association is now accepting entries into the 16th Annual International Web Award Competition. 
Independent judges from around the world recognize the best websites from nearly 100 industries. Web Awards winners receive an image plaque, certificate of achievement, higher visibility for your company, valuable feedback from our expert judges, and links to your site from the highly ranked Web Awards site. You can't win if you don't enter. Sign up now at www.webaward.org. Start your search engine and put your servers into overdrive. It's webmasterradio.fm steering you into the winner's circle. Webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back, and I have Adam with us again. We're just wrapping up our discussion of um, Senator Yee's bill um, to deal with um, social media and protect employees' rights to privacy for social media. Um, and um, so, Adam, how soon do you think this will get to a vote on the Senate floor? Uh, I, I think we will uh, take it up for a vote on the Senate floor end of next week or the beginning of the following week, so certainly by the end of this month, and then it will take us um, uh, probably a month or two over in the Assembly to get it through their process and to the governor, but um, I expect to get this to the governor um, by the end of August for, for certain. And the effective date is just a way in, in laws work in California. Laws enacted, unless they're emergency laws, are effective as of January 1, right? That's correct. So beginning next year, and you no longer be able to ask this. Do you think that um, do you expect anything from the attorney general's office or you know some law enforcement in California to say, you know, we may have passed this and this may go into effect in January, but we're not sure it's legal to begin with. Uh, you know, I think if we're going to hear from law enforcement, it's going to be a little bit different. I think they're, uh, in fact, we've already uh, were approached uh, this week in committee um, from some. Uh, representatives of law enforcement where they think uh, they may need some sort of exemption within this. And, um, you know, we'll look at that and we'll consider it. There may be times, you know, certainly Homeland Security type positions mm-hmm. where they, they maybe do need to be able to access every every bit of information they can, including one social media. So we're going to sit down and we're going to talk with them and we're going to see if they uh, uh, should get some sort of carve out. But I'm, um, I'm not expecting them uh, to come out the other way and say, oh, no, you know, no, this law is completely unnecessary. It's already illegal because I suspect, you know, they're either doing it or would like to do it. Um, and in terms of the, the bill, is it's, a, it's Senate Bill 1349. And uh, it, if people want to get in touch with a senator, what's the best way to do so? Uh, they could go to uh, our website, which is www.senate.ca.gov. Uh, backslash ye y e e uh, and uh, contact Senator Yi um, through that, and you can voice your support uh, for the bill, and we'll make sure that gets to his colleagues in the appropriate committees as it moves through the process. And um, and Senator Yi, he's 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 termed out right after after twenty fourteen. That's correct. He's uh, he will. He has two more years after after this year, and uh, then he uh, is going to look at uh, running for Secretary of State. Of California. Of, of, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you don't run for, for, for U.S. Secretary of State, but in California, it's actually 
uh, position that fits well into his background of open government. Um, they are in charge of making sure campaign and political disclosure uh, laws are followed and people know where, their mo- where, where political money is going and who it's influencing, deals with business licenses, deals with foreign trade, deals with consumer protection issues. Um, so he's looking forward to um, hopefully serving in that role in a, f- in a few more years. And the current um, holder is Deborah Bowen, who who's also will be termed out. And she's very well known in the Internet community since she and a lot of the earlier kind of landmark California legislation on the Internet, including the spam law, you know, she had a major role in. So um, well, I want to thank, and, I and, thank and, you for joining us. And um, I really do appreciate it. And it's, it, especially on short notice. And so the, the hearing is next week. Um, and the Appropriations Committee, you hope to have a vote soon. And then hopefully by summer, we'll have a, a new law in place to um, prohibit what probably should have been, was already prohibited anyway. Um, and and we will now have employers no longer asking for employees of, for their passwords for social media. Well, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to come on your show. Thank you very much, Adam. I appreciate right. it. Take care. Very interesting issue, I think, and the fact that um, you know you have hard times and you have a high jobless rate, and it, it allows employers to have so much leverage in, in these type of situations. And who wants to, what a prospective employee wants to say no in this type of situation? So um, I can understand, you know, the frustration they feel. And I, I, there's a if you, there's a video um, from a man from the. Maryland Department of Corrections, who he was a, an employee and was actually reapplying. And um, and then he was asked, even though he was already an employee, um, he was asked to um, to provide this passport information, and he just felt completely violated. But I understand we have David Balto um, with us. Do we, David, are you there? Yes, I am, Bennett. Um, thank you for joining us. And um, so we're now going to talk about Facebook and whether or not Facebook has been playing Monopoly. And um, David is a, has quite a distinguished background. And um, even um, I know she worked with one of my former law professors, uh, actually Dean um, Petofsky. But um, David has worked at both the Federal Trade Commission and the Department of Justice in antitrust enforcement. And he's now in private practice in antitrust. Um, and actually, you've been quite vocal on antitrust and tech issues. I noticed you have a, a number of postings on Huffington, on Google, uh, on um, antitrust issues. And so um, it, um, it's great to have you on. And so um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. I used to be the policy director of the Federal Trade Commission during the Clinton administration, and I worked at the FTC in the Antitrust Division of the Department of Justice for over 15 years. I now mostly represent uh, public interest uh, entities like Consumers Union on on competition issues. And um, you you have been spoken frequently about um, Google in particular. What's your general view on Google? Because they're under a lot of scrutiny right now. Yeah, let's start with the basics. You know, what we want, and the reason Congress passed our competition laws is because we want to make sure that the the free market works unimpeded by anti-competitive conduct and that consumers receive the greatest amount of choices possible. Um, I think 
Google is a firm that really understands the importance of the antitrust laws and their need to fully abide with the antitrust laws. And, you know, they do a lot of things to facilitate both transparency, make sure consumers have adequate information and choice. Um, you know, I think they do a great job in terms of making sure consumers understand how this system works and how search works. Um, they also, you know, don't do anything that I think impedes consumers' choice. Um, you know, when it comes to me or you, you know, in terms of doing a search, you know, competition is just a click away. All you've got to move, do is move your browser to another search engine. And, um, you know, with the the you know with the increasing competition from other other alternatives such as facebook um you know i think when we look at what the services google provides they're competing in a pretty competitive market now with switching gears to facebook facebook now is um is trying to acquire instagram and there's a process when you acquire um, large entities, you it's go through what is known as the Hart Scott Redino review process. Can you give us some, just a general overview of what that involves and why it's significant that the FTC is asked for more information? Sure, absolutely. So, you know, when it, two firms want to merge, they have to go to the FTC or the antitrust division and give them information so they can decide whether or not they need to conduct a, an extensive investigation. And that's what's going on here. Facebook and Instagram have been giving information to the FTC. Now, there are certain, you know, there are certain firms who, you know, are so significant in the market, they get a lot of intense attention from the antitrust agencies, and appropriately so. And I think what Facebook is coming to learn is that with size, um, you know, it's going to get a much more intensive level of scrutiny by the FTC. Also, with size becomes, you know, you, you inherit, um, you know, a, a much greater responsibility to abide by the antitrust laws. And I think they're, you know, they're coming to learn that a bit through, uh, you know, and it's a bit of a hard lesson for them. And uh, people were trying to do the math. I mean, they acquired Instagram for a billion dollars. And the general view that seemed to be emerging was the value to Facebook of acquiring Instagram was in eliminating a competitor. And that would seem to be precisely what the antitrust laws are intended to prevent. Sure. Back in the gold days when I went to antitrust school, um, you know, <laughs> one of the first things they teach you is, you know, what's the money for? You know, is the money to go and build efficiencies? Is the money uh, to enable you to provide a new service to consumers and offer new products? Or are you making the purchase, you know, because basically you want to be in a position to protect your dominant, posi your dominant position or you want to try to acquire market power. And when a firm is paying something substantially over the value of the acquired firm, when it looks like they're, you know, putting a lot of money on the table, much more than the company's worth, antitrust cops go, there's a sneaky reason for this, and the sneaky reason is they're probably trying to buy the ability to raise prices down the line. And that's something that the, FT, you know, the FTC cops are going to be very aggressive when they look at it. And what's your initial impression? I think this merger is going to get intense scrutiny at the FTC, and I think there's a decent chance that the FTC is going to challenge it. Um, again, 
you know, Instagram is potentially a very significant competitor to them. And by the way, when we look at competition, especially Bennett, when we look at competition in, in, in the Internet, we don't take a static point of view. We don't sort of take a snapshot and say, that's the world. What the antitrust agencies have to do is say, what's the world going to be like two or three years down the line? They have to take a dynamic analysis. And in doing that dynamic analysis, the question's going to be, what could Instagram count, you know, what was it evolving to become? And it looks to me like there's a lot of evidence that it was evolving to become a social uh, media uh, um, challenger to Facebook, where Facebook is so clearly dominant. And that, that's the troubling aspect. And that when you look at Facebook's, when you look at this, this merger, do you also look to Facebook's conduct outside of this merger? Um, well, I safe. think that helps educate the FTC. And, you know, I, you know, you mentioned to me, uh, you know, there are a couple cases that are going on involving Facebook when they're, where they've, where people have alleged they're engaging in anti-competitive conduct. And I think that's the kind of thing that's going to get, uh, that's going to ramp up the level of scrutiny at the FTC. Now, it, one of the areas of conduct, and actually, uh, um, is being pushed by a, a colleague I know is that um, Facebook's um, Facebook, Facebook's credits, and that by um, by eliminating other sources of credits, Facebook is engaged in anti-competitive conduct and monopolizing the alternative payment system within the Facebook community. Yeah, and I think you've got a great point there. Look, you know, we under the the under the antitrust laws. You know, we don't say it's bad for a firm to be dominant. You know, that's okay because we want firms to compete aggressively, come up with new products, and try to um, try to really, you know, uh, you know, make the market work. But we we say is illegal is where they try to transfer that dominance into another market. That's precisely why the Justice Department challenged Microsoft and its tying arrangements, where it basically said, if you wanted Windows, you've got to use my internet browser. Well, Facebook is doing that you know, in a similar fashion. They're saying if you want to use Facebook for your payment system, you've got to use Facebook credits. And that, you know, well, you know, you know, that kind of, of, you know, forcing their market power into an adjacent market is, is an area that the antitrust courts and enforcers have traditionally prohibited. And um, now there's a, a lawyer who was actually has a, a post at uh, allfacebook.com, and it's entitled, Who Wants to Join a Facebook Credits Antitrust Suit? Um, that was posted February 28th, and uh, I'll actually be seeing this gentleman later today. But um, you know, no suit seems to have materialized yet. Is, is it just people quaking in the boots and, and taking on Goliath, or is there maybe more to it than MCI? No, um, you know, obviously going and suing, you know, Facebook, you know, is a daunting task, just as it was a daunting task for firms to decide to sue, um, sue Microsoft. It's always, it's always, you know, a significant challenge to sue a dominant firm. But here, I think Facebook has stepped across the, across the line um, by forcing people to use Facebook credits 
I think they've engaged in what's traditional, you know, what's seen as being, uh, you know, a bedrock antitrust violation. It's the kind of thing that I think, you know, a court would look very skeptically at. Now, you, you made an interesting point early on. You talked about when back when you went to antitrust school, and I actually started my practice as an antitrust lawyer as well, and you know, the law has evolved significantly over the time and in quite um, favorable to businesses. And so would Facebook um, – would be subject to the same level of scrutiny um, that Microsoft was you know, 20 years ago or AT&T 30 or 40 years ago? Sure. I absolutely think so. You know, Justice Scalia, and we know Justice Scalia is the most conservative of all the justices on the Supreme Court, has even admitted, you know, when it comes to the conduct of a dominant firm, of a monopolist, their conduct is um, examined under a special lens Things that are permissible for a smaller firm are not permissible for a dominant firm. They take on a special obligation to abide by the antitrust laws. And I think if you look at all the cases decided after Microsoft, which was a successful challenge to similar types of anti-competitive conduct, they really articulate that principle well. And, um, you know, and, you know, one thing I think, you know, look, Microsoft through a lot of hard, <laughs> Microsoft had a painful experience in learning the lesson that as a dominant firm, it had special responsibilities to abide by the law. I think Google has anticipated this and is already doing it. I think Facebook has a decision to make. You know, are they going to go and figure out what's the best way to comply with the antitrust laws? Um, are they going to try to fight things out like Google, Google did for seven or eight years and, you know, and, uh, you know, figure out what's the, you know, one involves a tremendous amount of cost, but, you know, being a good corporate citizen is really important. And ultimately, you know, if you get on the wrong side of government, it's going to cost you a lot. We're talking to David Balto about um, Facebook and any trust and whether they get out of jail free um, after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Rise links and web indexes. Take a bow to the largest link map in the world. Majestic SEO. Majestic SEO wields its virtual sort with speed and accuracy to deliver detailed reports of your company's link data and that of your competition. Let Majestic SEO make you your own king of Internet marketers and join the crusade of clients and agencies that have chosen the noble choice for link intelligence. MajesticSEO.com Maximize ROI to use your time and let Majestic wield its mighty sword. MajesticSEO.com It's good to be king. How far do your ads reach? You don't have to fly around the world for the right consumers and clients to find your business. What you need is profit through performance. Location 3 Media helps you to increase your brand's findability and performance. Let Location 3 Media help you create efficient and effective online marketing campaigns that fit your needs and get you results. We know every click starts a journey. Where will your brand be on the path? Visit Location3Media.com. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrand. 
Brands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Radio's Virtual Autobahn. WebmasterRadio.fm. Moving at the speed of light. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back, and we're talking about Facebook with David Balto, a distinguished trust lawyer in Washington, D.C. And um, Facebook is all the buzz these days because they have their um, gigantic IPO coming up. And just on the eve of the IPO, General Motors announced that they were pulling their ads from Facebook um, finding them not to be effective. But and interestingly, I just uh, came across the wire. Um, Ford has responded that GM's Facebook ads don't work because GM sucks. Ours works fine, is the headline. Um, so interesting times indeed. So David, um, we were talking earlier just about the level of scrutiny that Facebook might get. And in moving on to the third area they've seemed to have some trouble and that's with um page rage and they have a, they actually do have an antitrust lawsuit there and one of the allegations there is that you know they actually um tr- more or less engaged in a group boycott and tried to discourage advertisers from working with page rage absolutely and part of that you know First of all, you know, um, generally under the antitrust laws, we don't compel people to deal with with you know you know individual rivals or individual customers. They're really unusual circumstances when you can compel them. But what you can't do are things where you you know get other firms together to go and collectively boycott someone, um, and um, or sort of you know force other people not to deal with with one of your rivals. Now, what PageRage you know you know PageRage is an adware program which has about four million dollars four million users a year, and you know it interacted with Facebook and everything was fine and. You know, by the way, the, the parameters of the story are very common. You know, there's a very common story that happens all the time, and you know, in the in 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 the marketplace, where you know a dominant firm is willing to deal with potential rivals or complementary service providers, so long as they don't get too big. But they get too big, that's it. They cut them off, and that can you know violate the antitrust laws. But anyway, that's basically what happened. Uh, PageRage, you know, started to become really significant, became, you know, really, really built up its advertising partners. And Facebook, you know, users removed PageRage software, refused to deal with advertisers who dealt with PageRage, you know, basically cut off its, its, cut off its oxygen supply. 
Um, and, um, you know, that's something they can't, you know, that's something they can't do, um, especially once they've entered into, you know, what's really a productive relationship, something that's beneficial to competitors. They can't go and, you know, terminate those kinds of relationships, um, you know, without a, a justification. And I don't think there's a meaningful justification for the, their actions here. And that that lawsuit has just started, and so we we we've yet to be seen um, how how far that progresses. But you know, I think there are other people in the wings who are actually looking at this lawsuit, and you know, smaller players who may want to you know, jump on board. Um, certainly, if that kind of conduct is occurring with you know with other folks, um, you know, they certainly should consider their rights under the antitrust laws and you know, the ability to bring a case against them. Uh, this case has been brought as a preliminary injunction, so a core that, you know, um, you know, Page Rage, I guess they're owned by a company. Um, anyway, Page Rage is trying to get a court to enjoin Facebook's, all these types of actions Facebook is engaging in. Uh, of course, Facebook's response would be allegedly engaging in. And um, now... Um, the the actual company name let me just um, for listeners give them the actual lawsuit is um Sambriel yes yeah, Sambriel and it's pending out here in Los Angeles I believe um, yeah yes Southern, it's in yeah. the central Southern District of California which would be San Diego I believe and um, it's Sambriel Holdings um, Yantu LLC and Theme Your World LLC um, against Facebook. And it's been brought by a lawyer named Gregory Olson. Um, and he's working with a DC firm of Conchin and Lowe. Are you familiar yes. with them? Yes, absolutely. They're an excellent, uh, one of the top-notch antitrust firms. Uh, yeah, you know, and have been very, very successful in bringing um, cases for plaintiffs. Now, um, it, it's funny, and you. you you had noticed you had um, published certain things on, um, on um, Huffington Post about a, an old competitor of mine, Ticketmaster. Yes. And uh, I actually, I, I had the privilege of once actually bringing a monopolization claim against Ticketmaster, and then getting them to um, cave within a week. Um, so that was always that's it's always nice when you can take on Goliath and they say you're right. Great. Excellent. Now, um, it seems that antitrust is all the rage these days. You, right now, Google has um, a review um, with the FTC and the European Union and now India. Um, there are allegations about Microsoft's new platform and um, whether or not its browser is, is excludes um, Mozilla. Um, Intel just finished an antitrust investigation. Um, what is, is there something particular about new technology that lends itself to um, in these type of issues? Or just that if you are the early position holder in a new technology, you, you get market power, whether you seek it you know, in, a, in a proper way or not? Well, first of all, let me just sort of say, from the perspective of our government antitrust enforcers, the reason high technology receives so much attention is because it's so critical to our economic growth. 
I mean, when you think about how the economy has changed dramatically over the past 10 years, that is because of the Internet and electronic commerce and the opportunities provided there. That's why this is getting a lot of attention. That's why it deals like Facebook's Instagram is going to receive such a substantial level of attention. Second, um, though we always say that the Internet is remarkably dynamic, um, because of a variety of aspects, uh, economic aspects of the Internet, there is a real concern over the um, ability of firms to become dominant and, dominant, and that dominance to be entrenched through anti-competitive conduct. So, um, for example, in the Microsoft situation with Windows, there, you know, you really care that your product, you know, what you work with you know, works with the products that other people work with. You want, when you prepare a document, you want the other people to be able to use your document. That's called network effects. And because of the network effects, oftentimes firms can be dominant, um, you know, much quicker than they can in a traditional market. Um, and then finally, um, I think, you know, there's, there's this is an area where the case law and the the you know is evolving and antitrust is not an area where there are clear black and white rules but those rules are always educated by the specific market involved and since the economics of the internet are so different than the in- economics of traditional markets i think that's part of the reason why this gets so much attention so Will Facebook be dramatically different five years from now because of any trust factors or just market factors in general? I think Facebook has a hard, Facebook needs to look itself in the mirror and ask, does it want to follow the Microsoft uh, you know line of attack and you know sort of you know dig down into the bunker and engage in war with? the federal, you know, antitrust cops and Congress and things like that, or does it want to figure out how it becomes an antitrust good citizen? And I think the results will depend a lot upon what they decide to do. And I think if they decide to, you know, sort of take the Google approach of, you know, uh, trying to fully comply with the antitrust laws, trying to be proactive about those things, I think um, they'll have a much better chance of, you know, of, of continuing to succeed in this business model. Um, you know, it's hard to see somebody as, you know, rising up and, you know, adequately challenging Facebook so it's no longer dominant. But one of the things we've got to do is when there are potential rivals like Instagram, you know, sort of a rise in the market, the last thing we should do, the last thing we should do is allow Facebook to gobble them up and take them off the playing field. Very good point. Now, we only have a few minutes left, so if if people want to look you up and and learn more about your practice, where should they go? Sure. So my website is www.dcantitrustlaw, like Washington, D.C. Again, dcantitrustlaw.com. And we do a lot in representing small businesses and consumer groups, and we'd be glad to help out anybody. Um, and we've done, uh, back when I was at the FTC, I helped start the first Microsoft case. I helped work on a case against um, Intel. I wrote a lot about, uh, you know, e-commerce and the rules of the road for e-commerce. So I 
you know, I'd be glad to go and, you know, help people out with any questions they've got. Well, thank you very much, Dave. It's been a pleasure having you. Um, after this show, I'm going to be heading off to Las Vegas with meet with a bunch of my brethren in the cyber law community. Um, we're having our semi-annual cyber law leadership conference in Las Vegas. And so I look forward to seeing you gentlemen there. Um, and we'll be back next week. We'll be talking more about the latest developments in cyber law. Um, until then, this is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center here in Silicon Beach. Have a good week. Court is adjourned. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.